welcome to this week's edition of the NinersNation.com Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, it is the 12th win Wednesday of the season. The 49ers are back in the lead for the first seed, and the playoffs are basically starting a week early. And with me this week, to extol the virtues of smoothie baths, it's David Newman. I'm sorry, what? Did you not see this Kent State uh, green smoothie Gatorade shower? That happened at the end of the game? Absolutely not. It's, I mean, basically, that's all you need to know. It was the end of the Kent State game. It's, I guess, Kent State's first bowl win ever or something like that. I mean, checks out. Yeah. And, and so they basically decided that they were going to dump uh, what they thought was Gatorade, but turned out to be green smoothie. <laughs> awful. It, yeah. Just, I just awful. That's, I can't. That's going to take a while to get off. Yeah. That's not good. Not great, Bob. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, man, it, it, four games now. The 49ers have had de- come down to the last minute. And I Is actually it only four. It feels like every it's the week. last month. I man, I started this this season. My, my this is my like 32 age season. And in the last month, I'm now 38. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's me crazy. too. Yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, like this whole season. I mean, it's been it's been crazy. Just the fact that it's the 12th win Wednesday or and there's still a week to go. Like we could get to 13. Uh, and then to have so many games like be like as exciting and come down to last minute like they have has just been it's been a lot of fun. It's been tough at times, but it's been fun. it has been tough. Uh, David, you know what hasn't been tough, though, is being a champion, being on top. I know you don't know what this feels oh like, God. but we're, we're going to hit the fantasy football early because Why I are we want, do it early? because I want I want you to be baked in salt no. this entire podcast. I want your favorite song to be You Should Live in Salt by The National. I want <laughs> all of the seasoning to come out of you early just to give the pod the extra umph because ladies and gentlemen in case you were wondering the update is that i oscar aparicio am indeed the champion of our dynasty league and it's inaugural season uh david Which, on look hand, i'm happy for you yeah. <laughs> uh yeah it was good i want to i want to get that out there out front you know Look, this is the thing. I think uh, <laughs> I've been giving a shit all weekend. We had we had a, a get together at David's place, and this is the dominant co- topic of conversation. Yeah, it was amazing. It's a, it's a load of bullshit. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, th- this is where we're at. First, I feel the need to correct uh, something that was like I, I I didn't realize it. I think at the time, but uh, based on the number of comments that have been coming my way, I, apparently it came Thank across. You fans, by the way, Thank that you. I did not make the playoffs in this league, which is false. I made the playoffs. All right. My team is stacked in that fucking league. I just got bounced early, you know, which yep. you know, it's fucking fantasy football. It happens sometimes. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the, the thing that I'm going to be s- I- incredibly salty. about. So it, it depends on we're recording this uh, Monday prior to the Monday night football game uh, being played. And I have three Green Bay Packers. I have Rogers, Adams and Aaron Jones. Problem number one. Um, that was a late. This is a, that was a late change. Um, but that's not the point right now. The point is, so in that playoff round, I lost by a half a point. And it was and it's frustrating because it it was really I mean like look, it's my fault. I'm going to I'm going to take ownership of it, all right? It's my fault, which makes it hurt a little bit worse. Uh because I made a last minute change, didn't seem significant at the time. There was only a a one point difference between those two players that I swapped out, but hey, it turns out that was the difference. And then if we just look at point totals since then, I would have won the next matchup. The, the person that I would have played against that week outscored him by a bunch. Um, and then now we enter the championship week where Correct. I need just 48 points, I think it is, from those three Packers players tonight 
to outscore you for this week. Correct. Which means that I would have won the goddamn championship. So what you're saying, David Newman, is that... And it's tough. All I'm saying is it's tough. All, all, all I'm hearing is that if the rules were different and we weren't playing based on the same rules that this league was initiated under, then you would have won. But instead, we're playing under the current rules and I win. And that's really all that matters. All I'm saying is I'm not here for this <laughs> bullshit that I'm not good at fantasy football. All right. I was in the goddamn playoffs. You you were um, fine. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was just slightly better. It's great. It's OK. We can please, please, <laughs> please. Oh, man, let's get to the Rams, though, because, yes, we did indeed age several years. I uh, at my I was going nuts this game. I mean, this was just this is this. The Rams aren't a rival, but you hate to lose to them. And and I didn't know that this was the first time the Niners had beat had swept the Rams since 2016. It's been a minute since both games have gone in the 49ers favor. And early on, it did not look like this was going to go well for the Niners. I was getting really, really pissed off. I wanted Jared Goff to get completely smashed on one of those damn rollouts <laughs> because the the Rams plan was pretty obvious. You didn't need to be a football savant to figure it out. Roll Goff out, get him away from the pass rushers because in the last game he passed for 78 total yards and basically get him on the edge, get him some simple reads and get him going. And early on, it was really, really effective. I mean, I, I think what the entire first drive almost was just yes. nothing but that like it, it was uh it was very clear that this is what they wanted to do and yeah i think when you look at it from the 49ers perspective and kind of why things were uh not going as well early on when they were, were doing this is it puts a lot of stress on kind of those second level defenders right it, it puts a lot of stress on your linebackers um you know for the 49ers playing a lot of cover three that you know those curl flat players that basically need to either be the ones to pick up uh, if you think like a lot of times it's that guy that leaks behind the line of scrimmage into the opposite flat on the rollout there, right? Or, or a lot of times you're looking at hitting kind of that intermediate out route or corner route that's right in there. Those are largely the responsibility in the 49ers scheme of that curl flat player. And a lot of times that's going to be who it falls on. And so it puts a lot of stress on them because you're getting obviously pulled hard one way with that outside zone action and you have to be able to read it and, and get out and, and chase these guys around. And so early they, they just like yeah weren't you know weren't really in in great position doing there and they were able to get some yards after the catch on these short throws um and then thankfully it was something that they did look to adjust over the course of the game but i think yeah early on you, you saw that and you saw some a, a few adjustments that kind of worked off that same sort of action that was really going for the rams yeah in the first half jared goff was nine for ten for 98 yards and a touchdown on his rollouts i mean that's really really good and really really efficient football Uh, and he was i mean he was hitting some players he was especially on the move which is not always easy for someone who like jared goff who looks like running is foreign to him uh it looks like he just learned to run last week and and now they're just trotting him out there and saying hey you learned a new skill do it uh and and now he's he's like a little baby he's he's not 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 a graceful runner that jared goff no uh but so then you start okay so the Niners like all right well we're going to start to adjust to this drop back game. And that's exactly what Robert Sala did. The initial adjustment, which I thought was interesting, was the Rams tried to get the Niners in their base look and in their three linebacker look. And so Al Shar starts the game, but immediately uh, Sala switches him out for K1 Williams. K1 Williams starts to clamp down a little easier or a little better on those underneath routes, which yep. is good because he's actually a coverage defender who gets paid to cover people. Uh, and, and so that's that begins to turn the tide for the 49ers. And, and that happens in the first half. But then in the second half, Sala does something else that really begins to shut down those boot games. 
Right. And I think this was something that was noticeable right away coming out of, uh, out of halftime. And, and that was just, we're going to have our DNs fly upfield. And so early on, what you kept seeing them do, because um, a lot of times on the side that they were going to roll out to, they would usually have like a tight end or a receiver that was right there on the edge of the offensive line. And the the de- defensive end for the Niners that was on that side would try to always kind of cut inside of him and stay tight a little bit to the tackle. And that gave Goff um, basically a ton of space, you know, once he once he actually got outside on the boot. Um, and so they wanted to take that away. They want to want to give him all day because, I mean, there were quite a few plays where um, they actually had it like in the first half, had it fairly well covered. But it was just he had all day out there to kind of just wait and wait and wait for something to break open. And then he would find a check down. It wouldn't be necessarily a huge game, but it was a way to kind of keep things moving and, and keep getting positive yards. And so they wanted to take that time away. And so you, then you saw in the second half, just both Armstead and Bosa, especially, we're just going to go right up field and we're going to try to get in his face, uh, care less about the run, make sure that we're getting in Goff's face and bothering him once he turns around from that play action fake. And it was uh, wildly effective. Like, I mean, I mean, we saw him throw away like god i I forget the the exact number but it was had to be like five six seven passes that he was just forced to throw into the ground because he had either immediate pressure or no one open and then had pressure shortly thereafter and just had nowhere to go with the ball it was six alone on boots he was in the second half he was two for eight for 24 yards like that's a hell of a turnaround it really is and and what was interesting was that that does leave you a bit more vulnerable in the run because you you basically have your DN abandoning run responsibilities. He he leaves a pretty big gap there if you're running straight for the quarterback. Uh, but it, it does, or, or rather the backside is not defended nearly as well. Um, yeah. and, and so at that point though, Niners just didn't care, and they were like, "Fine, if you want to run it, then start running it." Um, and and honestly, that's a gamble that you hope Sala takes off. And it's like if you want to keep trying to get three four yards at a time, go right ahead. I'm not going to get beat with the 10 15 yarder, uh, yeah. which is smart. Which is really, yeah, you really smart. you absolutely want to give that up because. You can there there are other ways you can kind of tinker with the run fits a little bit to help get it covered and, and at least have guys in position to to be able to get to that late, right? If if all of a sudden if you if they hand it off on that outside zone and it ends up bending all the way back to that backside, you can get guys that yeah, maybe you're gonna give up a few extra yards than you would otherwise, but you can at least get in guys in position to be able to rally that and, and still limit the damage a little bit more so. Um, you know, you're, you're going to give that up as opposed to giving up these big chunk plays in the passing game. But then what McVay does is he comes back with another counter. Like this game was really interesting in that you saw an action and reaction multiple times in this game, because now with all of the 49ers defenders basically trained to flow one way and then turn and look for crossers, turn and come the other way. Now McVay starts throwing a bunch of different screens at them. And you saw at least two or three different screens, mostly tunnel screens. But you had one play where they actually faked a screen one way and came back to the middle screen. You had Higby on screens, Cooper Cup on screens. Basically, all of the linebackers who were trained to flow with the boot action took themselves right out of the middle of the field, which is where all the support was to stop those screens. And it's one of the reasons why those screens were so effective. Right. Yeah. I mean, so you had, you had kind of two things at play there, right? So first you have you would see them get the screens where they were going to bring the jet motion and then we're going to set up a screen for the player in the jet motion, right? And so you, you you get them used to kind of that action. And then they had a counter off of that where you're going to show that same jet action. But then we're going to have the tight end of that side kind of inside him. We want to get everybody flowing outside thinking we're going to throw that same thing. And then we're going to actually hit you with the screen more in the middle of the field and, and hopefully kind of get your defense over pursuing that way. And then both in really both cases, you end up with, like you mentioned, where 
because you're still rolling out, you're rolling out away from the side you're throwing the screen to. Well, you have defenders that are, again, trying to get out and get in, uh, you know, and get on these boot pass concepts that they're wanting to do. So the deep crossers, things like that. And so they're so worried about getting to these routes that they've been getting hit with on the, the, the boot passes that it takes them away from the screen, right? And so it, you just have fewer defenders over there. There's a lot more space to work with on the screens. And it, and it puts those guys who are left on that side of the field that can recognize screen a little bit earlier. It puts them in a really tough spot because there's a lot more space that they have to defend. There's one play with Greenlaw where you literally see him running full on away from the screen. Like he doesn't know it's a screen. It looks like boot action. And he's got a crosser over the top yep. and he's just running away. And that's not necessarily a, that's not a bad play by him. It's just, hey, man, you've got a responsibility. Your responsibility is to cover this this crosser. You can't just abandon that because you, you think you, you might have a screen on the backside because that's how you get uh, some darts thrown deep. Right. Because you know, then all of a sudden, if, if you're not respecting that that crosser that they're throwing there, yeah. well, then they're going to see that and they're going to you know kind of maybe show you the screen over there and they're going to hit that crosser yeah. wide open. So it's just, yeah, I mean, it puts those guys in a really tough spot. And then they also had the routes where they would, uh, there was a few times where they would sell that deep crosser and, yeah. and you get the linebacker expecting it and then you just have them shut it down right on, on a curl route right in the middle of the field. Um, and so, again, it was it was a lot of really simple things, a lot of things that look very similar. And this is kind of, you know, the Rams MO. This yeah. is what they do under McVay. Um, but you saw how effective it can be in this game when it's just a few simple adjustments, a, a few things that that are that are tweaks to kind of that core concept that you came out with and just your basic ass boot pass and and it was really effective for them all game they just stuck with basically these same few yeah. things uh throughout one the of the plays game. uh that with the route that you're that you're mentioning i think it was the one where i forget if it was cooks or woods who fell down but was able to still get up and catch the ball yeah that was one of those routes where yep. it looked like it's going to be a crosser but instead he just sits down and it really is it's it's terrible for linebackers because that linebacker is like okay i see him i put eyes on receiver i turn around get back to the quarterback and flip my head around you keep running your dude stopped behind you yeah. and and as a linebacker that's exactly what you're taught to do track the receiver who's crossing and then you know kind of whip your eyes around so you can see if the ball's coming or continue to carry that receiver um and that receiver just stops and it's it's tough man mcveigh basically came out and said cool i'm going to avoid that pass rush and i'm going to attack the weakest coverage defenders for the 49ers which were the linebackers yep and it worked it worked well absolutely uh, but then, of course, you've got that back and forth. And I mean, we, I, I don't think we can escape this segment without saying that Jared Goff, though, while he wasn't perfect and certainly isn't, um, he did make some really pretty throws this game. Absolutely. He had a few. Uh, th- I mean, again, they didn't ask him to just kind of go with your normal drop back pass stuff a bunch. Um, when they did, they went after a Keller, a Keller Witherspoon and usually found some success. Um, but he made, I mean, a few great throws, you know, a couple of them on the run. Uh, and so he didn't take a lot of shots downfield, but he was really effective on the, the few chances that he did take. And, and that's all you need to do. You know, when you're hitting them like that, I guess, when you're really feeling it, yeah. like, you know, you only need a few of them, right? You yeah. can mix those in here and there with all that underneath stuff. And that's going to be enough to kind of keep the defense honest and, and keep them from really crowding the underneath stuff too much. Now, before we get to some of the more fun stuff for the 49ers, let's talk to Keller Witherspoon for a minute, because there's some fans that are now saying, basically, look, he's reverted back to 2018 Akello. Go ahead and bench him for Emmanuel Mosley uh, because he, he was playing like trash this game. And, and I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, uh, but this was not a good game for Akello. Yeah, I, I think 
I'm, I'm definitely hesitant to be like, go bench him right away. Cause I think one of the problems that they ran into last year is I was think there's him. <laughs> yeah, an element of, of like letting the guy play through it. Right. Yeah. He's going to have some struggles. I think there are some, you know, I, I think maybe his sense of self-confidence is a little inflated. Like I think maybe the Sherman stuff coming out and Dude, saying he's a confident guy. He is always, com- which he- is, Good is a good like to be very clear is a very good trait. I feel like corners and wide receivers are some of the more confident players in the NFL. For sure. Flat out. Um, But yeah, but I I could do without the Akello point at the end of a play where he busts the coverage. Right. It's just like, uh, yeah, he's like, I mean, we mentioned this before, like he's basically the Derek Carr of of cornerbacks, at least especially for this team where it's just like constantly bitching his teammates uh about stuff when it goes and i think yeah there were a few plays that it looked like in this game where uh the reason i bring up like the overconfidence is there were a few plays where it wasn't where he was necessarily in bad position right he wasn't he didn't bust the coverage or anything like that the touchdown that Um, he allowed to cooks yeah touchdown being a great example of this where he sees the route and he sees and this is a route that's that's his responsibility right he's not covering up for somebody else or, or anything like that he sees what he should be getting to but he kind of he's a he slow plays getting there, right? He's like, I'm gonna kind of leave this a little bit, almost like he's trying to bait the throw, and then he gets the throw, but he can't make the play, right? And and that's and that's tough, you know. You if if you just get on that route initially, you probably prevent that throw from ever being made, yeah. right? And you you take it away, and like I get it, you want to make the big play, and that's something we see other defenders on this team take those kind of risks a bunch, and and it's worked out for them a lot, right? You see, you think of some of the um the times where you see guys going in there deliberately to punch the ball out and strip, like we're not even making a huge tackle effort. Like this is really going to be ball or nothing. And that, those have been some huge plays for them that, that have really kind of turned the tide in some games. And so you, you get that sense from the, the defense as a whole. Um, but it's one of those things. It's a, it's a big risk reward. Like if you're going to go through and do it, you got to do it. Like you got to yeah. make it happen. And, and you, and if you're consistently taking those chances, and not following through on them, that's a problem. You need to kind of rein it back at that point, take the safer, more conservative play. And I think that's something that I'd like to see more from him. But yeah, I, I think you got to you gotta let him play through struggles. I still think he's talented. Like, I still think he can be a good player, um, but you need to give him some time to, like, work through this stuff. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I think the specific issue last year with, oh, you're benching him, oh, you take him out of the game, you take him out of the Green Bay game, and then you play him again, I, I do think that Akello is someone who needs to play with confidence. Yep. And while that is kind of annoying uh, in lots of ways, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Uh, I, I do think that benching him in the whole sit down stand up thing, it just it would not it would not do well for him. I think you leave him in, you figure it out, and and worse comes to worse, you know, at the end of this year whether or not he's someone you can rely on, and if not, then you it's a camp competition. Yeah. Uh, I, th- and- I think maybe you know, especially in these games, you know, I'd like to see it. I, I would understand like. In the playoffs, you're trying to win, right? Like, yeah. you need to put out the the player that you give you think gives you the best chance to win. Uh, you know, kind of confidence be damned to to some degree, right? Yeah. And so if it, if it gets to a point where he's not working through it, he's still kind of making some mistakes, getting beat a, a good amount. Um, and you feel like, look, we just need to get Mosley in there because he, we feel like he's a safer option for us right now. Then then do it in that situation. But I don't I don't think we're we're there yet, even if we are quickly approaching that point in the season. Agreed. Agreed. So. Let's get to the fun stuff, though, because 3rd and 16 apparently is the down of our Lord and Savior. <laughs> Jimmy 316. Uh, there is a, basically like the we've annexed another graphic designer on Twitter. Uh, so Josie will always be, you know, our art director. And, and 
you, but we've got uh, DC Kuth, I think, on Twitter. And he oh, basically yeah, okay. always has yeah. edits, yep. always ats me, and they're always amazing. <laughs> uh, and this week's edit was uh, was Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, chugging beers with Jimmy 316 uh, oh, across God. the chest, All which right. is, which is amazing. Right. It's amazing. But you've got two third and 16 conversions. The 49ers hadn't done that on their last 50 attempts. 50. And they did two on one drive, which is absolutely absurd. And and this is, of course, where Jimmy Garoppolo decided that he was going to play some really, really great football. Because before the final drive, Garoppolo's 31.4 passer rating was the lowest of any start in his career. And the 49ers had converted just two of eight third down attempts. So what do you do? You up the difficulty and say, ha ha, Jimmy Garoppolo, try it now. And he's like, I look at your 16 yards and I say, give me 17 or 46, whatever comes first. Uh, and in this case, it was actually 17. Because uh, that first play, I mean, it, it, it was absolutely a dart of a throw. Yep. It was a good catch and a, a really, really smart play by Kendrick Bourne to get that extra yard. Uh, and some really good pre-snap communication because apparently Garoppolo told Kittle, or I'm sorry, told Kittle. Sorry, I'm used to just used to Kittle. Yeah, yeah, natural, exactly. Uh, but he told Bourne to break off his route because he was getting pressure too quickly, and so he's like, "Don't run the full route, break it off early." And basically, that's exactly what happened, and that's why he was a yard before the sticks on all curls, and then had to fall forward for the first down. Interesting. And and if, like I, if I remember right too, I think Jimmy had like a guy bearing down on him. Oh yeah, uh, right before the throw too. So hit. yeah, I didn't have a, a whole lot of t- extra time to hold on to it. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's a play that on third and sixteen, like you have to know that's coming. It's all curls. You've right. got three or four receivers. You basically just like run to the sticks and turn around, and the Rams still seem to equipped. Yeah, you see that. But I feel like there's uh, this happens, you know, at least once or twice, almost every single week where you get in some of these like longer distance situations or, or even maybe just general like end of game situations where you're kind of in that final two minute drill and you get this defense that's playing a really kind of soft cover three shell, right? They're just we're backing everybody up. Um, but what you get from that offensively a lot of times is we're just going to run a bunch of guys to the sticks and have them hook up. And, and what you get in the middle of the field is one guy. So if you think what, what you have your cover three defenders, your underneath defenders, you've got two guys in the middle of the field that are on the hooks. And you, if you imagine kind of, kind of them being right outside the hash, like right around the hash on each side of the field, well, you just run a guy right in directly in between them. And if, as long as the quarterback is, it throws it on time, puts some, some zip on it. Like it's really tough to defend when you're sitting there. Cause it's just, it's directly between the two guys even if they get good breaks on it, it's going to be hard for them to get there in time. And that was what we saw in this play, right? Is the yeah. Rams just, we're going to play off. We don't want to give up the big, the big play. Um, and, and you throw it right to the sticks. And it was exactly what they needed uh, at that time to keep the drive alive. And, and you heard Garoppolo say in the post game, he said this, the linebackers got too wide. That's yep. exactly who he's talking about. He's yep. talking about those two hook defenders just getting too wide. They sent a curl basically to either side of those linebackers to widen them. And then you've got born in the middle. Right. Yeah. That's the other. So rather in addition to the guy in the middle, you usually get two guys like right at the numbers yeah. too, right? You want to kind of draw their attention out a little yep. bit and then sit somebody right between them. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, Kendrick Bourne is one of the things I think that's interesting about this game is that you're, you're seeing the starting patterns emerge where I think early on in the year, the Niners are still cycling through who they think is going to play and playing people in different spots. Like the wide receivers at this point are pretty locked. Yep. And Kendrick Bourne sure. is a guy that the team trusts. Because on third and 16, he's the guy they're going to throw to uh, who's going to be in the middle of the field to catch that ball. And I mean, the disappearing case of Dante Pettis, man, uh, I don't know whether or not he's long for this team, but he's certainly not long for snaps so far this year. 
And uh, and yeah, I mean, at this point, it's it's Kendrick's born job uh, unless something catastrophic happens. Yeah, I think barring injury, I mean, he's become the clear number three option yep. for them. I mean, number number three option is a receiver. Um, and I think, I mean, it's so far it's worked out well. He still, um, you know, has his moments. Uh, as we were rewatching some highlights that we'll get to, you know, later with this the Seahawks game. Um, you know, that drop that led to the intercept. Like yeah. he still kind of has those those lapses every once in a while, but he's also um to his credit made made some big plays in that yep. as well indeed but then you got that second play and this play is just one oh, that God. if you're a Rams yeah. fan absolutely breaks your heart because it is a deep post it's it's nothing fancy i wish i could tell you that this was some kind of like exquisitely designed to play by shanahan no it's just a curl and a post it's yeah. it's literally a prayer at this point for sure and and, and taylor rap oh man taylor rap just plays this like He's, I don't know. I don't know what Taylor Rapp is doing, uh, but he is not doing his job. He's going to get a bad rap after this play. You know oh, what I mean? okay. Oh, all right. That was on. like, that was even, all right. Look, I had to. I know you did. Uh, we got to lean into the dad jokes at some point, <laughs> you know? Uh, I'm all for dad jokes, but yeah, this, that was. It was, it was as, like, his play was as brutal as that joke. Uh, <laughs> it, it was. Okay. Redemption. Uh, Redemption. It was real tough. Like, I, I mean, so yeah, when you look at what they're doing defensively, um, they are uh, getting to a two man. And so what you get from two man uh, is I have my two deep safeties over the top and then I've got man coverage underneath. And with those man coverage defenders, you're going to get underneath in uh, in kind of a trail technique, right? So the, the idea with them is they're not concerned about the deep routes because they know they've got the safety help over the top, right? And so what they want to do is is play underneath the the receiver and be able to kind of break on the stuff that you think they're going to throw at the sticks, right? You you kind of expect something like the first third and sixteen play where we're going to try to get a bunch of guys right to the sticks and see if we can pick up a completion there. And so we're like, all right, we're not going to play that soft cover three again. We're not going to give them an open throw. We're gonna we're gonna have guys underneath that can break on this stuff. And Taylor Rapp just sprints to the sideline. Um, just there's, there's not a coverage. There's not a coverage I can think of where that's his responsibility. Doesn't exist. It, yeah. It's not a thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I have uh, no idea what he possibly was thinking. And you see Jalen Ramsey's reaction afterward, and it was very appropriate. Like yep. it was just a brutal rookie mistake. Um, where it's just yeah, he he should be kind of sitting, if anything, more inside, inside. leverage yep. on on that receiver. He this is a, the, the exact route, essentially, that he needs to be ready to play and uh, just basically sprints to the sideline, overruns everything, takes himself completely out of position. And at that point, it looks like Ramsey gets beaten, beaten badly. Um, but he's just not he, yeah. he's never expecting to have to play this route. Right? And that's, he not, that's he has not help. And I think what a lot of people see is Ramsey standing kind of flat footed and Sanders running by him. Right. And, and everyone's like, oh, look, he ran right by Ramsey. Ramsey was caught off guard or whatever. It's like, no, Ramsey's just like slow playing the technique. He yeah. knows he's going to play trail. He's trying to get something underneath. He's got safety help over the top. Uh, he's and, doing the Kella Witherspoon yeah. thing. <laughs> and he's actually got the the talent to yeah. be able to back it up right now. Right. He's going to he's kind of slow playing a little bit. And yeah. Maybe you could say he's even a beat late getting into that trail technique. Um, but it, it's never going to be a factor on this route. He's yeah. just never expecting to have to run with this and, and to be able to play this. And so it, it just, you, you end up in a spot where there's nobody home, right? It just, it's completely yeah. busted wide open middle of the field. 
Um, and you've got a largely easy pitch and catch for Jimmy and Emmanuel Sanders. Now we talked a bit about Jimmy because he did not seem to have a good third, uh, a good three quarters really until those, those last couple of drives. Yeah. I mean, he had some good throws, uh, across the middle of the field, but yep. this was, this was, if, if we're plotting the course of the Jimmy Garoppolo roller coaster, this looked like it was going to be one of the lows, but when I watched the game again and, and I saw what he was basically working with, with his receivers getting open, I actually left the rewatch of this game with a much more favorable impression of his performance. I do think the bonehead interception was still a bonehead interception. Yeah. Um, it's not as bad as the uh, throwing straight to the underneath defender kind of thing, but it was definitely a throw that he should have confirmed with coverage. He should have confirmed what he thought the coverage was post snap and he didn't, um, or he thought it was something else because he thought it was main coverage. He's got a guy in motion and, and it wasn't even though Ramsey was in motion on Kittle. He ended up dropping into a cover three. So yeah. that defense just got him. They just, yeah. he just He didn't see it right. But when you look at what he had to work with over the course of the game, the Niners wide receivers just couldn't get open. And that's why he wasn't, that's why he was holding the ball long. That's why he was getting sacked. Right. I, I think we've seen it like a couple times this year where, where guys just aren't getting there. Right. I think it was, it was obviously a much bigger concern earlier in the season um, before you get Emmanuel Sanders, before Debo really kind of comes into his own and becomes that really solid number two option there as a receiver. And while you're um, still playing Dante Pettis, I get it. Yeah, yeah, tough times. <laughs> tough times for us all. Uh, and so I think, yeah, you you saw it a little bit more then, but really kind of since they have, have solidified this group, like you mentioned, and kind of got the guy, the skill position guys that you know are going to be out there the majority of the time, um, it hasn't been as much of a problem, really. And and this was just a game where, yeah, consistently you saw Jimmy, his first look, everything's, you know, covered up and, and doesn't doesn't have any options to go on his first look. And then he moves off to the next one and that guy's covered up. And then shortly thereafter, you're getting pressure. I mean, in large part, the offensive line, they had, there was a couple plays, definitely a couple sacks where, where it was much quicker pressure before he really had a chance to do anything. Uh, the Aaron Donald one was especially quick. And uh, there was another one that was Donald and Fowler on a stunt that was pretty quick before guys were really ready downfield to be able to to, to re- receive the ball and, and made their breaks downfield. And so uh, you had a couple plays like that. But for the most part, the pressure was later. You know, it was after he'd had time to at least get kind of through the first look um, and start to move on to the second and third. And, and it was just there was nobody there on so many plays Uh, And it wasn't a case of Jimmy, like not seeing the guy we've mentioned a few times uh, this year where he's been kind of a little hesitant to pull the trigger, like really didn't seem like that was that was what was happening in this game. It was just there were no options open. And by the time that he would, you know, think that, okay, this play is exhausted. I need to look to get out of here. That's when the pressure would arrive and take him. And it looks like he's holding the ball way too long on the broadcast tape because the broadcast tape doesn't have the well. You can't see everything else downfield. Yeah, Yeah. you can't see the you can see the coverage. You can't see the people on the route. So I'm watching. I'm literally yelling at the television. I'm I'm literally yelling, "Throw it!" Like all the time. My my neighbors must not know what the fuck is going on because (laughs) they're like, "Why is he yelling? Throw it all the time!" Uh, And because I'm literally screaming at the television for Jimmy to stop double clutching it and throw it. And and then I look at the end zone angle and I'm like, "Well." They had seven in a protect. Didn't matter. Three people in the route. Debo's getting held because the Rams were really grabby this game. They were very, very grabby. But once you get into the later part of the year, the refs are way more permissive with defensive holding. Yeah. And, and George Kittle's been You can get away with a little grab. 
go for it. And, and, By and all means. honestly, that's what, I mean, if anything, Sherman should teach this to the Niners defenders. Uh, Got but, to sometimes. But ultimately, I think you, you look at what Jimmy's doing and he just doesn't have the receivers to throw it open to. So there are lots of times where I'm going to say, you know what, it was on Jimmy. He should have done better. I don't think that was the case this game. I think the Rams defense is just good. They've got good players. Jalen Ramsey is a game changer. Um, and there, and I think Taylor Rapp, despite the bust, has played relatively well this year. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think that they have a really, really good defense, which is why it's incredibly surprising that apparently I was listening to, I think, the Ringer podcast, and they said that uh, there was going to be whole, potentially wholesale changes to the Rams defense, including the firing of Wade Phillips, uh, which that's wild. My my yeah. my absolute like best case scenario is that if Sala ends up getting a head coaching gig and he's, you know, kind of talked about as one of those players. And Wade Phillips gets fired, we get Phillips. I mean, that'd be fantastic. that would be sure. I mean, that would be like it's not <laughs> failing up because Solid didn't fail. Solid did a really, really good job. That's like succeeding up, which isn't even it just like seems unfair. Yeah, like that's yeah, that's that's not okay. <laughs> that's not okay. But overall, another really fun game. The Niners. I mean, ultimately, they they could have lost this game, and it really wouldn't have mattered because Seattle lost their game as well. Um, you get now down to week seventeen. The games that matter. This is what the NFL wants. They want a game that matters in week seventeen. And and we're, we're about gonna, to get there. We're yeah. going to get a few of them, yeah. yeah and this uh, this game against Seattle is definitely good. I mean, it's uh, they flexed it to Sunday night. I mean, this is the last game of it the is. regular season, uh, and it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. But before we get to the rundown, and before we get to the preview of the Seattle game, let's take just a brief break to hear from our sponsors. All right, it's the rundown, and we've got the lead story in the rundown. The perhaps the most important story I think that I'm tracking. I mean, more important than impeachment. More important than Ukraine, more important than just about anything that I can think of right now, is why in the holy hell Matt Breida has zero snaps in the game against Los Angeles. I mean, I'd, I'd love to have a good answer for you here, but I've got nothing. I mean, is he, is he hurt? Like, is there... Like, I mean, perpetually, like maybe? Um, right, sure. Yeah. So Shanahan said that the game flow didn't dictate Matt Breida's snaps. Basically, the the drives weren't long enough. The you know I, I, this is in my opinion coach speak because oh yeah Debo like a load of bullshit. Debo Samuel got three running back snaps, like running back snaps. Got a touchdown, correct? As a running back, he, so basically like, Debo stole Matt Breida's touchdown. Like, let's be real. I mean, is where where does Debo rank among running backs on this team? Ooh, I mean, all right, like somewhere between Austin Eckler and Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> yeah Woo. uh yeah i mean um it just goes to show you that none of these guys really matter all that much um if debo can come in there dude literally doesn't even play running back and can can pick up what nine yards to carry and break off a big touchdown run um sure maybe we should pay less attention to that position gotta stay on brand david just me failing at fantasy football shitting on running backs that's I, good I oh get my it. god the <laughs> the slander i will not stand for it well again all right well you're still sitting so we found the thing that dan brunskill can't do and that is apparently play guard <laughs> yeah uh, or block aaron donald <laughs> block which, aaron, which I frankly mean, no one can do that club is large yeah uh, there are many many people in the can't block aaron donald club dan brunskill is he is the fine of the season my friend because he uh i mean he can play tackle he can play guard he can even play backup center uh i'm really happy we stumbled into dan brunskill absolutely yeah uh, i mean look we've got a lot of people who can't block 
Aaron Donald. Um, so not going to hold that one against him too much, but abs- absolutely. I think yeah, uh, I have found a valuable piece. In, I tweeted in- out uh, uh, the PFF grades, the pass blocking grades specifically, and Brunskill did not grade well. And, and honestly, I don't hold that too much against him, quite frankly, because he's trying to go up against Aaron Donald. That's that's nearly right. impossible to do. You have to just contextualize that grade. Yeah, you have to to look at what he was asked to do for sure, right? So, I mean, when we're grading that, we're not going to factor the fact that he's not a guard into play when grade. We're just going to be like, this is this is this shows you what he did at guard, right? This is not a good idea. He was very poor when you tried this. It's kind of the same thing. Um, when McGlinchey, back to McGlinchey yeah. yeah, during his rookie season, right? He was forced because of the injuries and, and stuff that happened. Was forced inside to guard. Did not go very well. Um, it was graded accordingly, but it was like, Hey, look, if, if you kind of take this part of it out and you look at what he did at tackle, he's a lot better out here. And I think that's kind of the same thing that you're looking at here. Last story in the rundown. And one I thought was interesting was just going back to the success rate or the, oh no, the survivor index from Timu's article on yeah. PFF, uh, talking about how keeping extra blockers in may not be an ideal strategy when you're looking to protect the quarterback. And There was a play that I talked about a little earlier, and I think I may have tweeted it out as well, where the Niners kept seven in the block. They kept George Kittle in the block as well. And George Kittle, another bad (laughs) pass blocking day, right? He had uh, four pass blocking snaps, three pressures. Not a good day for George Kittle as a pass (laughs) blocker. But guess what? He's not a tackle. Don't care. Yeah, Yeah. not a tackle. So we're okay. Um, But they kept seven in the block. And and oftentimes what that does is the, the players, the linebackers that are set to cover the tight ends or the running backs, they will notice that those players then stay in the block and they green dog it, right? They yep. decide, okay, your responsibility is to block, so now my responsibility changes me to play and I'm going to rush the passer. You are literally increasing the number of chances for a defender to win by keeping more blockers in and you're reducing the number of players you have out in the route. And, and though that sometimes works well, but sometimes it doesn't. And it didn't for the 49ers at times. They reduced their options against good coverage defenders. They increased the number of times that someone like Clay Matthews is going to come after uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And that ends up uh, kind of disastrously for the offense. Right. I I mean, and it's honestly like not something I've really given a lot of thought of. Uh, Thought to like looking at it in this lens, right, of like, okay, the more players I keep in the block, maybe the worst I that is for me as an offense, right? Because of the additional guys that you invite to rush the passer. Because if you think about it, 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 the only thing you need to be successful as a pass rush is like as a unit, you just need one guy to win. Well, if, if I've got six guys rushing instead of four, my odds of that one guy winning are now higher, You're right? buying and more so, lottery tickets. Exactly. And, and it's something never really thought of in, in that way before, um, but makes a lot of sense. It's kind of similar to the idea of uh, when you look at running the ball versus box count, right? It makes a lot of sense to let me spread things out. Let me get guys out of the box. Also, that that limits the number of successful blo- run blocks I need to make as an offense, right? If I've only got my five offensive linemen, maybe a tight end in there, well, that's only six blocks I need to make. If suddenly I'm piling tight ends and fullbacks in there, well, now I need to make eight or nine successful blocks, right? And so it just limits the the chances that I'm going to be able to do that consistently and and so i think it makes sense when you look at that same kind of thing from a pass rush standpoint and yeah we saw some good examples of it in in this game i'm interested to see and actually look back at some more arizona cardinals tape because and seeing what their protection looks like when they're in four wide and stuff like that because i think the the counter is that you oftentimes provide more space for one-on-one wins when you're just blocking with five Mm -hmm. um and and if and i know that some college teams because that's oftentimes where you'll see just five in the block um, we'll have larger splits 
Um, and yeah. so I'm curious to see if larger splits have anything to do with it too. But yeah, just an interesting thought, an interesting thing. I don't know anything other than that, right? Yeah. Um, but thought it would be sure. a, a, a neat thing that to kind of point out. But all right, let's get to the, the match of the week, my friend. It is basically a playoff game because at this point you win and you're the number one seed. You lose and you're the five seed. There is even a scenario where if the Niners lose, they could end up as the six seed. If the Vikings, God, suck. yeah, I know. Basically, uh, like the, I think the Vikings would have, oh no, the, the um, Packers would have to win out and someone else would have to win out. And basically because they'd end up with the same record as some other team, because they have tiebreakers over the Packers and uh, the, uh, the Saints. Mm-hmm. And so they'd right. have to end up with one more win and then end up in a tie with the Vikings, I think. And the Vikings would have a stronger, uh, like a conference, I think, conference record, right? Either that or, or common opponents, something like that. But one oh, of the, yeah, one of those two. Yeah, those one are like of those the two. Next but, two. But point yeah. is, they could end up having to go down all the way to the Which, six seed. A 12 team six seed or 12 win six seed would be freaking absurd. Brutal. Freaking absurd. But I mean, this Because then you no longer get to play. I mean, the, the only like solace you can take is being the five seed is, well, at least I get to play the NFC East team. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's like, all right, let's. It's a road game. Sure, that sucks, and, and it's not uh, not ideal. But uh, like, if I'm going to choose a wild card game to be in, I want to be the team that gets to play the NFC East. Yeah, at that point, it, it is. And this game is super important because you think of what the one seed does to you. I mean, you play at home. You get the bye. It, it, some, you know, I'm sure you've seen it all before, right? Like 12 of the last 24 teams that have gone to the Super Bowl have all been the one seed. It's, it's like ridiculous. It's been, yeah, it's been big recently. It, it, it's been really, really big. And, and so you, you think to yourself, okay, how is this game going to be different than the last game? Because the last game, the Niners were, should, probably should have won it, but they didn't have George Kittle. They got their tackles back. Um, and, and Seattle now is coming in wounded because Chris Carson and CJ Procise are out for the year. Dwayne Brown is out for at least the Niners game. He's their Pro Bowl tackle with a knee issue. And now apparently we've got Marshawn Lynch, who may be a Seahawk once more, who in October was eating, was so eating a $1,200 burger on First We Feast and arguing over how much Hennessy was in a dude's snifter because he was cheating because he didn't have enough Hennessy in there. I mean... My dude's got a lot of of pounds he may have to shed in the immediate future is what I'm saying. (laughs) Look, all I'm saying is look no further than C.J. Anderson. I'm not sure that's terribly important at running back, you know? You can show up in whatever shape you find yourself in. Especially if that shape is round. Yep. Bowling Uh, ball. Yeah. But hey, man, the bowling ball. Uh, Who was that guy for Detroit uh, that was the bowling ball? I don't know. I, I literally can't get C.J. Anderson out of my head. So that's that's the only thing I've got for you right now. Oh, God, just a rolling ball of butcher knives. That's all it is. That's all it would be. And, yeah. and honestly, I still don't want him to sign because I, I don't want that emotional lift. Even I'm just imagining like the beast quake, but it like one of those like bubbles that you're in where you just like running people and people like bounce off, you know, they're just bouncing off his squishiness. Yeah. The, uh, the beast quake is going to be of a higher magnitude just because of weight. Yes. I and mean, that's just physics. Yeah. But the, the Seattle comes in wounded. The Niners also come in wounded as well. But I think if you look at what, where things started to turn for the Niners last year and what, or last, in the last game in Week 10 and, and where the Niners really started to fall apart on offense, it was because Jadavian Clowney destroyed them. And, and the Niners have to have an answer for Jadavian Clowney this week because you, I would love to say that it was the tackles. But Staley and McGlinchey were back that game. And I think Staley ends up going out at some point because he re-injured or fractured his finger. But they were in that game. And Clowney still wrecked a whole hell of a lot of havoc over the course of that line. And 
I don't know what the answer is because I would have hoped the answer was like, you're starting tackles. But that's that's not it. <laughs> that was not it. Yeah, I, I think the the hope right there would be that, okay, they need to play themselves, but they need to get back into it, right? It was, I think that was their first game back, right? For, for both of them. Um, and so, yeah, maybe you're a little rusty. You're not quite fully healthy yet. You, you need a little bit of time uh, to get back into it. I do think, um, Staley, I, I honestly didn't pay too much attention to this week, but I feel like Staley's been kind of finding it a little bit. He was not that good his first couple games back, but Accurate. I feel like he's kind of getting a little bit better. And and so, yeah, hopefully you can get a better performance from those guys in this game and, and help limit that a little bit. But absolutely, I think you look at, at the pass offense as a whole needs to be the thing that is significantly improved in this game to win, right? Because I think you look at basically every single other area and things went very well for the 49ers in that last matchup, right? You get basically the best game of the season from your defense who just made a ton of huge clutch plays in that game to give them multiple chances, obviously put points up on the board uh, to bring you back into that game at one point. And so uh, had just an, an otherworldly performance from your defense in that game. That leads to the worst game uh, of the season for Russell Wilson. And so if you're looking ahead now, you're getting a game in Seattle. Those two things probably aren't going to be there, at least for this, to the same magnitude, right? Even if you get another good game from your defense, R- Russell Wilson isn't amazing he's probably still going to be better than he was in that game, right? And so you need to be able to balance that uh, on another aspect of your performance. I think the clear area that they need to improve is is the pass offense. You know, Kittle get, getting Kittle back, having um, Sanders be more healthy and, and in there. I, I forget, was he even in there for this game? Or was he out? This, was, was this one of the ones he missed? Uh, against Seattle? I think yeah. Sanders was in there. Was he in there? Yeah. Um, but getting, yeah, kind of your full stable of weapons offensively, um, you, you hope that that has to be enough and, and you just need better performance from Jimmy Garoppolo, who was also, that was also his worst game of the season. Yeah. I mean, you, you got Jaquaski Tart, who of course forced that huge fumble near the, or at the two yard line on a uh, giant baby DK Metcalf, uh, which I'm going to call him big baby just because of the pacifier that he, <laughs> that he has in his mouth. I think that is the weirdest yeah. and most hilarious thing I, I maybe have seen in football. Um, but you've got Jaguarski Tart who forced that critical fumble. He is out, of course, for the game. Um, there's like a small chance he's going to play, but I, I doubt it. Yeah. Marcel Harris has played well, but he's played inconsistently well. Yep. The lapses that he has are kind of big, and and they can be huge missed tackles that allow touchdowns or just com- completely busted coverages where he goes up with a player and carries them and leaves an underneath crosser wide the hell open when he should you know either yeah. cut it or, or be in coverage. Right. So Marcel Harris is. Not as much of a disaster as he was last year. He's gotten better. Look, that he, he was he nowhere to go but up after that first snap, uh, and and after last oh, year, that was so. even this year. That his first right, snap his first year. snap this year when he came in was just like, oh my god, this is going to be a nightmare. This is a very bad thing that just happened. Oh, uh, and he's he's thankfully he's he's gotten a lot better since then. And like you mentioned, it's been uh, a more of an inconsistency thing. There there's been some positive plays there for sure, and he's made a, a lot of really good plays in there, but just has. Uh, kind of some lapses and and some really bad plays mixed in that can really yeah. hurt you. I mean, you think about he could have iced the game against the Rams defensively. Like t- Taylor Rapp, right? Ask Taylor Rapp about having you know just one really bad play and and what that can do kind of for your team. And so uh, it, it's it's tough when you have those major breakdowns and and so you want to try to limit those. And I think yeah, that's where having somebody like Tart who's going to be a little bit more sound uh, there w- would help. But you're going to have to make do with what you've yeah. got, you know? It's the gift you don't want him to wrap up and deliver. See? 
we're leaning into the dad jokes. All right. Uh, but then you think about DJ I'm Jones. I'm glad we each got one in there. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. We're all, we're all, we do everything together. <laughs> uh, DJ Jones, not in as well. Also had a, a ridiculous game. Remember the quick pressure that he had against Seattle uh, for that Russell Wilson sack? He's not playing. And, and, and of course, D Ford uh, is not playing, although he, he still played against, uh, I think, the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, but he wasn't as much of an impact player in that game. Uh, actually, he only played... Uh, yeah, he played like 23 snaps. But ultimately, I think you're, you're absolutely right. You cannot expect the defense to play at the same level that they played against Seattle. And so that means you're probably going to have to rely a bit more on Jimmy Garoppolo in the passing game. You're right. And I think that's kind of been... I mean, the, in, in all three of their losses so far this season, it's been really bad Jimmy Garoppolo games, you know, and, and I think as much as we want to say, and, and look, a lot of their successes come from other facets this year. Their defense has been great for much of the season. Like they've, they've had, you know, Kittle's been incredible having maybe one of the best tight end seasons we've ever seen. It, it's just, uh, it all still ultimately comes down to in close games, how is your quarterback playing versus how is the other quarterback playing, right? And, and so I think um, you, you're going to need, I think, a Jimmy Garoppolo in this game on the road where, where you're expecting Wilson and that offense to be a little bit better than they were last time. They need to kind of show up and be able to make some big plays. We've seen them do it sometimes, right? Obviously, the, the New Orleans game was a fantastic example of that, like just continuously coming up with big plays when they needed them and, and putting all sorts of points on the board. Um, but there have been times this season where that just completely goes away. Right. And, and I think we need a good game. Like this is the, for all of the reasons that you just mentioned coming in shorthanded, like this is why having that first round buy is so big, right? If they can not only get the home games, but get a little bit of extra time for some of these players that are banged up to rest and you come in a little bit more full strength, you know, for that first playoff game, you're going to be in a much better spot than if you just got to go on the road the whole time. Yeah, and the def- the defense for the, the Seahawks seems like a place where you can attack them, but I just feel like this is the team that matches up fairly well with the 49ers because they've got those, because of Pete Carroll's obsession with the run game. Um, he, I mean, he's, I, not on the only hope, again, is that he continues to limit Russell Wilson by continuing. Yeah, I think it was the same thing that we mentioned yeah. last time. It was just like, please continue to give the ball to now you're, what, like, third, fourth, fifth string running backs because yeah. all of your guys are hurt. Like do that as much as possible and not give the ball to Russell Wilson. Yeah. But, but you look at there, but they do have players like Puna Ford, right? Uh, a pretty good run defender yeah. and there, and you've got Jadavian Clowney who is, uh, who already showed what he can do against the 49ers, but even their coverage defenders. I mean, they traded for Quandre Diggs, Shaq Griffin players that are playing well in coverage. They've got a couple of good coverage defenders. They've got some stuffers in the run game. And I do think that their defense, while not as good overall as some of the elite defenses that we've seen in the NFL this year, does match up really well with the 49ers. And so I do think this is going to be a game where Jimmy's going to have to put the game on his shoulders a bit and he's going to have to win. And the the one thing I think I'm realizing about Shanahan is that Shanahan is much like anyone else, human, and he plans up for these games. He The, the, the game plan against New Orleans is fundamentally different than the game plan against Atlanta. Yeah, it was the game plan of a team where he knew, like, I'm gonna have to pull some some you know rabbits out my head to quote yeah. <laughs> uh, to quote, to quote one of the greatest the announcers great, of our time, the great Jason Witten. That's exactly right. And and when he goes up against Atlanta, he's probably thinking like, look, we're better than them. We should just be able to sure. beat them. And and that's not an unreasonable place to be. I think if you're trying because you can't be at a, at an eleven all the time because then you end up like Adam Gase and you're just smelling smelling salts on the sideline to get up Your for eyes games. Are- 
buggy and twitching. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's um, not good. Nobody wants that. So yeah, so I, I totally get it. I think that this is a game that Shanahan's going to get up for. I think the the Niners haven't won in Seattle since like what 2011. Um, it's been Yikes. it's been a minute, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. And, and so I mean, this is for effectively all the marvels because I do think if the Niners win this game, they uh, you know you pencil them in for the Super Bowl. I, I think if they don't win this game, I could easily see them losing in the divisional round. Right. I mean, or maybe even, you know, hopefully they don't end up at the sixth seed. Right. And then maybe you're looking at, at one and done kind of in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it is definitely big. You would absolutely, like you mentioned, expect Shanahan to be up for this game. You know, everybody's going to be up for this game. There's you're hopefully going to have a lot of energy there. Having Kittle back is huge. I mean, that that alone is going to make a big difference. Right. It should improve, even if it's for reasons that aren't like from a process standpoint, all that good, you know, we've mentioned kind of their reliance on Kittle on third downs, but like, Hey, sometimes like, even if it's not great, uh, in theory, like he's so good that it bails them out sometimes. Right. So if you get one or two plays in that game where, where Kittle can just kind of make something happen and and bail you out of a bad situation, um, you know, that's going to be a huge help for your offense. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's exciting that it's the final game of the season. You know, it's pushed to that Sunday night game. Um, it's, it's against a team that, you know, we've had so many good matchups with like, it's, this is, is kind of the most excited I've been for a 49ers game in a long time, like in, 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 in a minute. So uh, we were talking at work earlier this week about whether or not you love to win or hate to lose. I hate to lose way more than I love to win. And and this is one of those games where I fucking don't want to lose this game. Like I really do not. I'm I'm tired of losing this game in Seattle. I'm over it. Because you just, I mean, you see, right? It's hard not to be kind of conditioned at this point to just like see it coming a little yeah. bit, right? To be like, we're not going to get bad Russell Wilson twice. Like you just, you can talk yourself into all the reasons that it's just not going to go well. But the betters, uh, the the betters have the Niners is favored by three, which is interesting. And I, you know, at this point, I'm like, you know what, especially with them losing both their their running backs with them having to maybe play Marshawn Lynch, which if they do sign him, he probably doesn't like eclipse 13 snaps, which also they're all running backs, So it doesn't even really matter that much. (laughs) But ultimately, I think this is still a game the Niners, I think, will win. I think they'll go in. I think they'll win. I think Shanahan's going to have a fantastic plan. I think the defense is going to be dialed in. I think Richard Sherman's going to have himself a day. And I mean, that's the one thing you hope. I mean, there there were a couple like he was uh, don't get me wrong. He was he was good in this game. He's been great all year. There were a couple plays where you're like, man, I wish he had two hamstrings um, <laughs> going on there. Like you could see you could see how the one hamstring was a problem on that play. You could uh, say it hamstrung him. It, it was. Wow. Wow. We're doing it. Yeah, hey man, I'm one up. It. I'm one up much like in fantasy football. I'm oh, winning for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm I'm done. Well, that about does it. Based on David Newman's reaction for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast, you can always follow me on Twitter at Better Rivals. David, where can they follow you? Uh, That'll be at PFF underscore David. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Niners.